This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Today's khutbah is about a very difficult subject to explain. It's about a concept that is at the heart of our relationship with Allah Azza wa Every one of us is a believer in Allah and Yet, that faith of ours is in, Allah, in Allah is tested. It's not just about believing in the concept of one God or the concept of a God that deserves worship, but actually we have a deep, intimate relationship and a connection with Allah Azza wa Jalla. But the idea of a serious relationship first, let me just say a few things about that. There are people that you know in life that um, you have a connection with. Some of you are maybe alienated or separated from a close friend or maybe a family member. Uh, many of us travel and move to different parts of the world, so you're not as connected to your uncle or your grandfather or whoever else. You know they exist, you have a relationship with them, you may even share a last name with them, but that does not mean you're intimately connected to them. You may not even have kept up with their life for the last 10-15 years, you know, or 20 years, and they, you don't know all their kids' names, you don't know what their life struggles are like, none of it. Even though you're related, it's a very distant relationship. Once in a while you go back and you catch up and all of that, but then other than that, you're not really connected. And then compare that to some other relationships you have that are daily, that you interact with daily, that you talk to on a daily basis, right? So in life, there are relationships that exist, but they, they're connected by a thread. They're not very strong. And then there are relationships that are pulling at us every single day. They're, they impact us. They affect the way we think. They affect our emotions on a, on a daily basis. Those are very strong and intimate relationships. It, it becomes like that when it comes to our relationship with Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal is, all of us believe in Him, all of us have a relationship with Him, but for some of us it becomes just a concept. He's there, He's in the background, I know He's there. Even when we're praying, we're not really that connected to Him. And we, even if we are connected, we don't really understand what that connection, what that relationship really means. And what it's supposed to be is a very close, deep, intimate friendship. And a close, deep, intimate you know, relationship where all of our daily conversations, there's no conversation we have with anyone else that's miss a part of it is actually a conversation with Allah too. That's supposed to be a conversation with Allah also. The, the, you know, one of the, the fundamental benefits of the five prayers is actually, and this is why the Fatiha is called the prayer itself. The Fatiha itself can, can be called a prayer. is because the Fatiha, part of it Allah speaks and part of it we speak. Meaning we have a conversation with Allah. We're actually directly communicating with Allah. When Allah says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, He's speaking. But when we say, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een and so on, we're speaking. So it's actually, when, two, when both parties are speaking, there's a conversation happening. And that's supposed to be when you have a close connection with someone, you talk to them every day. You talk to them multiple times a day. <clears throat> that's actually what the prayer is supposed to be. And that's literally where the word Salah comes from, from Sila, connection. So with that in mind, I want to share one dimension of that connection you and I are supposed to have with Allah and that, how that's supposed to help. Allah created human beings in difficulty and He created human beings in heavy burden. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ We certainly created the human being buried under heavy loads, exhaustive labor. Emotionally you're struggling, 
Physically you're taxed, you're struggling. Health-wise you may be struggling. Financially you may be struggling. Because of people you may be struggling. This life, Allah designed it to be difficult. Sometimes you look at other people and you say, they have it so much easier than I do. But you don't know what other difficulties Allah gave them that are invisible from you. Everyone has difficulties. Everyone has challenges. You would think for example that the Pharaoh, Fir'aun, had kingdom, empire, he had the world's largest army at the time, he had everything you could want, all the wealth you could want, all the power you could want, all the status you could want, he has everything. And how come he has everything and the, the believers have nothing? And yet Allah describes about him that he lived in a state of fear. You know, وَنُرِيَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَهَمَانَ وَجُنُودَهُمَا مَا كَانُوا يَحْذَرُونَ كَانُوا يَحْذَرُونَ They used to live in a state of fear. He used to get nightmares at night. He couldn't find peace. Sometimes people have material things, but they don't have peace. Sometimes people have physical health, but they don't have mental health. You know, they don't have emotional health. So all human beings were put in a state of struggle, and that's believers and non-believers. So the first you know, thing that I want to get across to all of you and remind myself of, is because we are believers, that does not mean our problems disappear. It's not like, because I'm a believer, I'm not going to be sad. Or because I'm a believer, I'm not going to experience anxiety. Or I'm not going to have family problems. Or I'm not going to have financial problems or health problems or whatever else. Belief, our faith in Allah, our relationship with Allah is not there to solve our problems. It's not there to get rid of the people in our life that are causing us trouble. That's not the purpose of our faith. If that was the case, then the Prophets ﷺ, who had the most close connection with Allah, would have had the easiest life. They would deserve, the because they would make dua, all their problems would disappear. And if you study the Prophets, the closest people to Allah ﷺ, they have the hardest life. They have the toughest life. And some the toughest life comes to them, not even from some faraway enemies, it comes to them from their own families. So in other words, it comes to them from people they can't even escape. They're with them every day. They're with them their whole lives. And they can't escape those problems. So the idea that human beings are created and were placed in a situation where they're going to struggle, they're going to have to deal with very difficult circumstances, very difficult situations and even people, they're going to have to deal with that, is part of life. And that has nothing to do with, oh, you, if you had more iman, you wouldn't have these problems. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, the higher your iman, it, you know, people assume the higher your iman, the problems are going to go away. No, the higher your iman, something else. And that something else is what I hope to explain to you today. To put it as a, an image, Allah created us and He put us inside of a storm. Okay, like imagine a storm in, in the ocean, you're in a storm. And the waves are turbulent and you've got your little boat, etc. And you're constantly worried about sinking. And you're worried about those who are sinking next to you. But Allah Azza wa Jal, what does the faith do? It gives you the strength and it gives you the ability to go through the storm, to navigate the storm. It doesn't mean you don't get wet. It doesn't mean sometimes the boat almost doesn't tip over. But you now have the ability to go through it and survive the storm. You see, that's the purpose of our faith. It's not to get rid of the problem, but to actually strengthen us so we can go through the problem. The, the, one of the most powerful examples of that, and actually before I get into that example, uh, because really the, at the heart of all of this khutbah today is one phrase from one ayah from Surah Fussilat, and I'll get to that at the end. But for now, I want to give you an example. The, 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 two of the hardest burdens that human beings live with are fear and sadness. 
fear and grief. Those are the two heaviest burdens that human beings live with in this life. As a matter of fact, when Allah sent Adam السلام, to the earth, He told him that when He gives His guidance, فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Whoever follows my guidance, they're going to be able to combat fear and, and sadness, essentially. In other words, Allah knew that in the story of humanity from Adam السلام, to the last human being that's going to walk on this earth, every one of them is going to have to struggle with fear and they're going to have to struggle with sadness. Now what are these two things? Fear is about what's going to happen in the future. Fear is about am I going to lose my job? Is, is what's going to happen to mom? What's going to happen to my family? What's, what are they going to say? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen with my exam? What's going to happen with my immigration? What's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that? These fears about what's going to happen in the next few hours or in the next few days or in the year from now or in the future, these fears are small and big and they're all the time, they're, they're a part of us. You're, you wake up afraid. You're, you're afraid you're going to be late to work. You know? You're afraid that you're, you, know, you forgot about some task that you had to do or the time's running out. Small fears, big fears. But fear is a constant part of life. It's always there. And what you're afraid of, let's say a student is afraid of failing an exam. Up until the moments of the exam, there's fear, fear, the heart is pounding. And they take the exam. And then unfortunately, they get the result that they failed. And when they fail, there's no more fear. There's now sadness. I mean, there's fear of what your dad's going to do to you, but there's sadness mostly. Right? Now there's sadness about what happened already. So fear is about the future, and sadness is about the past, what, what already took place in the past. And just because it's in the past, you don't get to tell someone, well, it's in the past, get over it. It's done now. You, can move, you should move on with your life. No, you and I are not in any position to tell anyone that they, are no, longer, they no longer have the right to feel sad anymore. Our Messenger ﷺ continued to feel the sadness of the absence of Khadija anha for years, for years. Feeling sad is not a sign that you don't have enough faith. That's a, I mean, he has the greatest faith of all, and yet he carries sadness. Yaqub lost his son Yusuf and he carries a great amount of sadness. So much so that he cries so much, his eyes turn white. His eyes turn white out of sadness. But that's part of, that doesn't mean he doesn't have faith in Allah. He doesn't ha actually have that. And as a matter of fact, he would only cry of his fear and uh, cry of his grief and his sadness to Allah. I've given khubah to you about that before. But today I want to talk to you about an extreme case of fear and sadness first. And that's the mother of Musa salam. I can't think of a more extreme case of a woman who had to do something so incredibly unthinkable. She knows that any minute from now, soldiers are going to break her door and they're going to kill her baby in front of her own eyes. For a mother to imagine the murder of her own newborn baby. Unthinkable. And the only idea she had that Allah put in her is you need to put your child in a basket and put that basket, alqihi fil yam, throw it into the river. It's not even nicely, gently put it into the river. Ilqa is to throw. Now when you throw something in a river, the river is moving water. When you throw something in a, in a river, it can flip. It's also the case that a basket may not necessarily float. It may get water inside. It may hit a rock. There are animals inside the water. There are all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, I often, when I used to teach the story a long time ago, I used to give the example, 
when you see a child go even two feet near a swimming pool, not even the deep end, the shallow end, a mother will go crazy. She'll drop everything and push people out of the way and grab her baby. There are women that give their, their, their babies a bath, you know, in the tub. And they put the water this little. And the baby's like, come on, no, 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 too dangerous. This much is too, you'll drown. I can't even fit my head in. No, 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 not going to let you. There's a fear. And this mother has to take her newborn. He can't even crawl yet. He can't even do that yet. And she has to throw this thing into the water. Can you imagine the kind of fear this woman has in her heart when she does that? And when she does that, she can't even look at it and can't even cry and scream, my baby, my baby, she can't do that. Because if she does that, the soldiers will know one survived. And they'll go after him and kill him. So she has to not even be, even if she looks, she has to look from the side. And then this water is not standing still, it's moving. So this basket is slipping away from her sight to the point where she doesn't even know what happened to it. She has no idea what's happened to it. And now she's living with this incredible, overwhelming sadness. What have I just done? What's going to happen to my baby? You know? And in those moments, Allah Azza wa Jal told her, لا تخافي ولا تحزني Don't be afraid. Don't feel sadness. And even though she still felt afraid, and she still felt sadness, what we're learning in these ayat is Allah will help you overcome not being drowned by fear and not being drowned by sadness. He can let you navigate those two feelings. Those two feelings are very powerful. They're enough to drive someone mad. They're enough to drive someone to the point where they don't want to live anymore. It can be that powerful. And yet Allah can give you the strength to overcome what you and I don't have the strength to overcome. This mother, like no other mother, could stand doing that and, and survive. So Allah says, وَأَصْبَحَ فُعَادُ مُوسَى فَارِغًا Musa's mother's heart was, you can think of the imagery as it was bleeding out. It was emptying out. It's like her heart was exploding. In She was on the verge of just let, screaming out, that's my baby, I want my baby back. She was on the very verge of it, she couldn't hold it in. Had we not tied her heart up, like literally something's about to shatter and leak, and Allah says He, like a rope, tied it up and held it in place. What are we learning? We're actually learning that you and I are not capable of controlling our emotions until Allah gives us the strength to do so. The situation didn't change. The baby didn't start flying instead of floating in the water. The reality didn't change, but our heart changed. Her heart was strengthened by divine intervention from Allah Himself. And she's not a prophet. What we're learning in these ayat is that Allah will give you and me a strength to our hearts that will be, will be able to overcome the most powerful fear and the most powerful sadness, the deepest, deepest kind of sadness. He'll make us strong enough, not that those things will go away, but you'll be strong enough to go through it. You won't collapse. Your heart won't fall apart. And he says, all of this, لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So she may be from those who truly believe. She could truly hold on to faith. She won't, she won't ever accept that my baby drowned. She won't accept that. She'll hold on to her faith, she'll hold on to hope. As a matter of fact, in this ayah, for her to be a believer, actually is the same as for her to be hopeful. One of our connections with Allah 
that bond with Allah, we pray to Allah, we put our hope in Allah, what Allah gives us from Him is that glue that holds our heart together and keeps it from being shattered. He gives us that strength. This is actually what I wanted to talk to you about from the ayah of Surah Fussilat. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ No doubt about it, those who declared our master is Allah. Seems like a pretty simple statement. Our master is Allah. It's not a simple statement. You're not just saying our creator is Allah. Or the one we worship is Allah. You're calling him your Rabb. Our Rabb is Allah. Rabb is a mun'im. Rabb is someone who does favors for you you don't deserve. And keeps giving you what you don't deserve. That's the first meaning of Rabb. So Allah is one for us who will give me more than I deserve. And He will keep giving me more than I deserve. And He will keep making... And Mun'im also means the one who gives in'am, meaning the one who makes things easy. He's the one who's going to keep making things easy for me. That's who He is to me. I've declared that when I called Him Rabb. Al-Mun'im. Wal-Murabbi. He's the one who is going to make sure that I continue to grow. That I continue to progress that I'm not going to stay in place. If I'm in a problem, He's going to allow me to grow out of that problem. If I'm in a state of weakness, He will give me the strength, like a plant grows and turns, like a little blade turns into a tree, He'll give me the strength to, become, to, to, to navigate and to be able to overcome the weakness that I have. This is Al-Murabbi. Wal-Qayyim, the one who's going to make sure I don't fall apart. Just because you're ensuring something is growing, doesn't mean you're not taking care of the problem. You know, you can build a building, and you're building more and more floors, but the foundation's falling apart. The whole thing's gonna collapse. Allah will hold me in place, take care of me, and not let me collapse. He's my Rabb. Wal-Qayyim. Wal-Sayyid. And He is in charge. He's in charge of what I do. He's taken total authority over me. I'm not in charge anymore. You know, Again, maybe imagery will help you understand this. If you are bad at swimming, and you find yourself in the middle of the ocean, and you're splashing and doing whatever you can, and you're, it's, nothing's helping. Water keeps going up your nose and in your mouth, and nothing seems to be helping, and you're getting exhausted. And until you realize there's someone holding you from underneath, you just need to relax and just let go. And he's just keeping you floating. He's not going to let you drown. When you let go, that's actually Rabbun Allah. Our master is Allah. Whatever struggle, storm I'm going through, He's not going to let me drown. He's holding me in place. Those who openly declare that, they acknowledge that they are not in control of their situation. They acknowledge that they cannot control other people's opinions. They acknowledge they cannot control what any of the creation of Allah does. When anybody else, you know, some people, some of you, spend your days and nights thinking about how this person is going to harm me. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? What are they going to think? This is what's going on in your head all the time. You're preoccupied with it. And when you accept Rabbun Allah, you let that go. Because the one who's protecting you, and the one who's keeping you in place, and the one who's going to navigate you through the storm, you've declared, you've handed it over to him. You've let go. Rabbun Allah. And that declaration is so powerful, it's a kind of freedom. There are so many of us who make so many decisions in our life. As a matter of fact, so many of our emotions in our life are controlled by other people. They're controlled by other people. How sad you are, how angry you are, how hurt you are. We're letting other people control how we feel. And when you really truly declare, my master is Allah, the power creation has over you disappears. Like they're just creations. 
They have no power when Allah doesn't give them that power. And when He strengthens your heart, then whatever they have to say and do bounces right off of you. And it doesn't hurt you anymore. The, again, reality doesn't change. You change. You change. I'll give you another quick example of that. You know, there was a terrible slander that I, the ayat I was sharing with you previously. I'll come back to that series soon. The ayat I was sharing with you about the slander against Aisha radiallahu anha. Ayat came of the Qur'an. Ayat came of the Qur'an and she felt relieved. She felt relieved. But you know what? The hypocrites were still hypocrites. The filthy mouth was still a filthy mouth. People were still saying what they were saying. That didn't change. For the believers, they recognized it and they took made tawbah and they changed. But for people who had dirt in their hearts, they didn't change. So the hurtful words and the hurtful slander and the hurtful accusations continued. As a matter of fact, they continue until this day. They continue until today. And yet she's relieved. Reality didn't change. Allah didn't send those ayat to silence everybody. Because that's not going to happen. That won't, Allah doesn't do things that way. They let them dig their grave. That's fine. Allah sent those ayat so those who believe can have strength. Their heart could be tied. Their heart could find peace. That's actually, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ Then He says, ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا They didn't just say our master is Allah. Then they lived a life of trying to stand up straight. They lived a life of holding on to رَبُّنَ Allah, Not letting anybody else pull them down. Not letting anybody else get control. Not letting anybody else become their owner. Not emotionally, not physically, not financially, not in terms of their temptations. They, didn't, they recognized Allah's supreme authority and control and care over them. And they, they reminded themselves of that over and over again. You know, istiqama in Arabic doesn't just mean to be straight. They use it for poetry. Istiqama shi'ar, ittazana. Aw azala ibajahu. Like when, a, when, the, when the poet used to write a poem, it didn't totally rhyme. So he would make adjustments to fix it until it's finally even, all the rhymes are even, and all the lines are even, all the syllables line up. That's the idea of istiqama. In other words, you don't just say, my master is Allah and now you're perfect. No, you keep struggling to fix yourself. You find yourself leaning this way, a little too much fear in your life, and you pull yourself together. And you don't let that fear overwhelm you. You find too much sadness in your life, and you remind yourself of Allah, and you hold on to Allah again, and He pulls you back together again. The idea of holding on to Allah to overcome and to, to be able to navigate your grief and your sadness. Again, I remind you, as I said in the beginning, our faith in Allah will not get rid of our grief. And our faith in Allah will not get rid of our sadness and will not get rid of our fear. But it will make us strong enough to overcome them. Strong enough to go through them without breaking us. It is in those moments of fear and of sadness and of, you know, of grief, that is when shaitan comes and wants you to let go of Allah. Because shaitan feeds you something else. Shaitan says, if Allah is so great, why are you upset? If Allah is so awesome, why did you have to go through all this sadness? Allah could have just gotten rid of your sadness. He could have created a situation where you had to experience no sadness. Why did you have to go through it? Why do you have to have these fears? Why do you deserve this anxiety? Let go of Allah. He's not doing anything for you. That's shaitan's most powerful opportunity. In those moments. In those moments. And yet Allah here says, if you can hold, not only declare that your master is Allah, but you can hold on to that deep inside you, not from someone else, for yourself. If you can do that, then what does he say? تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ If people can live a life of doing that, 
and holding on to Allah that way, then as they're dying, as they're leaving this world, people around them are crying. They can't even speak anymore. They're on their deathbed. And yet, they can see what their relatives can't see. They can see angels come down. And angels are having a conversation with a person on their deathbed. And they're telling him or her, you don't have to fear anymore. There's no more fear at all. And there's no more sadness at all. Congratulations, you're going to heaven. And then they add something. This is, you know, this is at the end of their life. They're about to, they're not even in their grave yet. They're not even in their grave yet. And yet they're being told you're going to heaven by angels. Everybody else is crying. They're the ones smiling inside. They're the only, everybody thinks, oh, this is so sad. This is such a tragedy. And this is the greatest moment of their life. This is the greatest moment of the, because they lived that. They, they navigated that storm. When they're in that moment, what do the angels tell them? They tell them, نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَاؤُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ We were your guardian angels. We were protecting you in this life and we will also in the next life. Allah sent us a special security team just for you. When you were being overwhelmed and you held on to Allah, we became your security around your heart. When you were overwhelmed with grief and sadness and fear, we were the ones that Allah used to send for you. We were the ones that guarded you. We were the ones that shielded you from the, from the, the whispers of the devil. We were there all along. They're introducing themselves to you. You're meeting them for the first time. They've known you your whole life. That's the promise of Allah to those who hold on to Him. To, to those who can, who can hold on to Him. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is at the moment of death, we are alone. When, it, when you live a life and you're about to part from this life, you don't take anybody with you. You're alone. Your questioning is alone. But remarkably in this ayah, everything is in the plural. Qalu. رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزُلُ عَلَيْهِمْ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا Everything is plural. Don't be afraid all of you. They said our master is Allah. Why is the plural being used if one person's at their deathbed? The idea of a plural here is you may have felt that you're the only one going through this. But centuries before you, a mother went through this when she was putting a baby in the water. And centuries before, us, uh, before that, a man went through this when his father kicked him out of the house. And centuries before that, and centuries before that, there are believers and prophets, good people, all across history and all across the world that you've never met, that you've never known, who've gone through exactly the same struggles you're going through in their own way, and they held on to Allah like you held on to Allah. And you're actually connected to them in this ayah. You're not alone. They may have died thousands of years ago, but you have a deep and intimate connection with them, just like you have a connection with Allah Azza wa With Allah you're connected. By your du'as. And with them you're connected because of the same struggle that you're going through. You know this is why we make the du'a, الْحِقْنَا salihin. Join us among the righteous. Join us among the good people. We, we're, you're not alone. You're part of a legacy. There are people before you that have already left that are praying for you actually. وَيَسْتَبْشِرُونَ بِالَّذِينَ لَمَّا يَلْحَقُوا بِهِمْ مِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ They're congratulating each other of those who haven't yet joined them. أَلَّا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَهُمْ يَحْسَنُونَ they're not going to have fear and grief either. May Allah Azza wa Jal help us navigate our fears and navigate our grief and not be overrun by them. May Allah Azza wa Jal keep us from the, you know, from the emotional torture and the emotional manipulation of others. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us a life of freedom from control of His creation and really truly allow us to be, you know, pure slaves of His in every sense of the word. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim wa nafani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim.